Uncaged. Uncaged. A show celebrating thought leadership from today's top business leaders. The program provides a voice to amazing executives from around the globe who are shaping the world of business today and mapping the path to the world of commerce tomorrow. And now, please welcome our host, Bant Breen, as we begin another Uncaged episode. Today, we have Dr. Hank Chowdhury on the show. Welcome, doctor. Thank you. Good morning, Bant. It's great to have you on. Dr. Hank Chowdhury is a physician, medical educator, and the president and chief executive officer of the Federation of State Medical Boards of the United States, which represents the nation's state medical licensing boards and co-sponsors the United States Medical Licensing Examination. I'm excited to talk about talk to you today because I would say that if anything has been true, the last year has been, I think we've all educated ourselves more about medicine than we've ever known. Uh, anybody outside of the medical profession has, has uh, ever had to because of, of the pandemic. Um, but what a, what a moment of, of huge change as well. Um, so I'm excited to hear more from you on that front. But before we get there, I'd love to just hear a little bit more about your background. Um, tell us a bit about yourself and, and about, about your career. Well, great. And you're right. This has been a busy time and lots of things are going on. But uh, I grew up in uh, Brooklyn, New York, um, and trained as a physician, as you said. My specialty was internal medicine, <clears throat> which I did practice for at least a decade, and also got involved with public health which was very helpful um, this past year with the COVID-19 pandemic. Actually, I served a couple of years as a county health commissioner in New York when we had our last pandemic, the H1N1, the swine flu pandemic, you may uh, remember. Um, And really for the last 12 years, I've been uh, with the Federation of State Medical Boards, um, which uh, is sort of the umbrella organization at the national level for each state and Territories Licensing Board, which uh, issues the license to practice medicine to qualified physicians, physician assistants, and others, um, and also has the power to take that license away um, if it needs to. Uh, so it's uh, it's been a busy year, but uh, happy to be where I am. That's great. And so uh, what are you working on right now? What's the focus of, of the organization? Well, Matt, that's a great question, because one of the things we learned this past year is the power of data. Um, When I joined the FSMB, um, I recognized and realized we have a whole bunch of data, but it was kept uh, in paper records. And so uh, we spent a number of years in digitizing them and making them accessible. We now publish every two years um, in our own journal of medical regulation, a census Uh, Because before that, a lot of people were guessing about how many physicians there are, what are their demographics, what are their backgrounds. So we now have that kind of data. But beyond just basic data, we also have data about who is licensed, uh, who has been disciplined, what are are their specialty training areas, um, are they a U.S. graduate or an international graduate. And that kind of data, especially in the middle of a national emergency, has been especially critical to allow Uh, healthcare providers of every background, not just physicians, to be able to practice, for example, across state lines, 
either in person or through telemedicine. And so uh, we partnered with uh, uh, the federal government uh, to work on a project called providerbridge.org to enable those kinds of credentialing data about physicians to be accessible to hospitals and health system. At the public level, uh, anybody can get that information for free. People don't know that, but if you reach out to docinfo.org, uh, you can look up any physician in the country uh, and any PA physician assistant to find out a little bit more about them. Uh, so data has been very helpful in the pandemic. That, that type of information seems so critical for how I see a lot of medicine evolving. Uh, I mean, a lot of, of the medical profession uh, I've seen uh, in the technology space, uh, several companies appear over the last year. I'm sure they've been working along the way, but to offer these deeper telemedicine services. And so I can absolutely see what you're talking about being really important for credentializing uh, uh, professionals uh, as, as they reach out uh, outside of their kind of normal, I guess, state or, or local district. Absolutely. You know, the average person may not know this. Uh, any doctor knows that it historically has taken months to get even a single license to practice medicine because of all the bureaucracy, the paperwork. Uh, we've managed working with our state medical boards to bring it down to weeks, but that's still not fast enough if you think about it in this day and age. So we are beginning to look at blockchain technology, for example, uh, partnering with medical schools and residency programs and hospitals down the road so that this can be all a seamless process. You shouldn't have to take weeks or even months to apply to get privileges or to get a license. And we've made significant strides in that area. That's, that's amazing. So, I, I mean, it's been a rough year, I, I, I would say, on probably a lot of the doctors that you work with as they've been probably, I would imagine, called into extra service or found that their core practices may have slowed down, especially specialists. Um, how, how are people, how are people surviving and, and, and what are some of the things that you've noticed uh, with that group? Well, especially during a national emergency where you don't know what's going to happen, especially early on, if you remember back in March, yeah. uh, we didn't know where this would uh, head. And so um, the primary mission uh, bent of the state medical boards is to protect the public. But at the same time, in a national emergency, we also wanted to make sure that we were helpful and mm -hmm. seen as providing the resources needed so that doctors could practice medicine uh, to help out wherever they could. And so uh, that's where uh, some years ago, a few years ago, we put together something called an interstate medical licensure compact with our licensing boards that enables doctors to get licenses to practice medicine in multiple states uh, very quickly. Uh, now, of course, every state issued emergency guidelines that allowed uh, physicians to practice across state lines. Right. They relaxed some of the privacy regulations in the middle of an emergency. So a lot of changes had to go on. Uh, we had to make sure that the data was accessible because we have about 200 employees, uh, mostly in Texas, but also in DC, uh, wanted to make sure they were able to work remotely. So uh, for me, as CEO of my organization, it was important that we were able to be nimble and able to be helpful while at the same time preserving our mission to protect the public. That's great. I, I, would, I would say that um, 
you know, last year I got my PhD and I, and so I am now a doctor, I'm a doctor Bant Breen, but please don't, but please don't ask me about COVID. <laughs> so it's, it's like being a doctor on television. I, I would be the, the wrong doctor to ask about that. But what are you finding that brings you uh, joy in terms of the work that you're doing these days? Well, that's a great question. And, and um, you know, when, when you work on so many things happening and every week it's something new with a pandemic and even the doctors, uh, Brandt, uh, you know, had to keep on their toes. It was important to be nimble. It was important to keep an eye on what's happening. But the other challenge we had was misinformation. And you may have heard about this, you know, people claiming to be doctors in some cases or actual doctors uh, saying things that they shouldn't. And we've had to work with our licensing boards to um, uh, help with the uh, physicians and raising their awareness. But what gives me uh, pleasure and joy um, to your question was uh, recognizing how nimble uh, both the state licensing boards and our organization can be in an emergency. Uh, we are not historically known for making quick decisions because our mission is to protect the public. We tend to um, issue guidelines and recommendations and policy changes in a more thoughtful, deliberative manner. In the middle of a national emergency, you don't always have time for that. So this required working late nights, working on weekends, working with our partners uh, in healthcare uh, and in government, both federal and state government and county government in some cases, uh, to, to get things to be uh, done that make a difference. And that's been um, very helpful and delightful that we were able to do that. It was not foreseen that that would happen because there's no playbook. And even yeah. though you can plan for these things, every pandemic is different. Yeah, I, I've been thinking a lot about that because if you watch the mainstream news, there's always a litany of complaints about how things could are wrong or could be done better or mistakes. But I'm imagining if we can, can pull ourselves back for a second and just think about, let's say, the, the last pandemic that the world faced, which let's say it was the Spanish flu, the, the truly, and, and how many people actually died. Uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm blanking on the number, but I believe it's like 5 million or something. So it's a large number. It's actually much larger than that. Oh Worldwide, it was yeah. 50 million people died. Okay, 50 million. So That's a big number. It's, it's, In the it's, US, it's, by the way, there were about 675,000 deaths. So there you go. So, so, but 50 million is, 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 is a huge number. And if you compare that to what's happened with the, with COVID, um, it's an incredible, it, it, it's incredible progress, I believe, that we've made as human beings. We don't really kind of reflect that sometimes. We don't think about the, 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 the difference between what happened with the Spanish flu and what's happened here. And then the second thing is, the pace that this vaccine has been developed and rolled out is, uh, I mean, it is incredible. It's, uh, and you know, there's, we, we, we have to thank uh, the physicians. We have to thank uh, technology, I believe. We have to ex uh, thank the, 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 the new theories, but it's an incre incredible pace of change. And so you're absolutely right. I mean, Certainly bureaucracy can always be a little bit slow and have challenges and, and we know that in, in every area. But um, I mean, I actually think it's uh, one of these things we may have to 
think back and, and, and provide uh, more kudos here, I think, with, with the pace. Um, it's, we, we, uh, historians always forget about, uh, people always forget about the, 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 the changes that we've all gone through and how long things actually take. So um, it's impressive. You're absolutely right. Uh, you know, there are lots of lessons to be learned in this pandemic and we're still learning them. Uh, but you're right, so much has changed. Back in 1918, uh, we didn't even know it was a virus because viruses were not known. There was no test for it. There was no treatment for it. And certainly there, was no, there wasn't going to be a vaccine if you don't even know that it's a virus. Right. So look how far we've come. And in record time, we were able to develop a test, share information about how to prevent it. Uh, I think that was still true back in 1918. People had a sense if we wore a mask and sort of kept our distance. So they got that part right, but they didn't really understand what was happening. And we've come a long way. And uh, I think the newest technologies, the mRNA technology for vaccines Incredible. is brand new. It may offer some promise for other medical conditions as well. Uh, and you're right, doctors, scientists, um, and even elected officials who you know, nudge those kinds of uh, technologies forward uh, do deserve credit for um, getting us to where we are. We still have a long road ahead, but there's light at the end of the tunnel now. So tell me a little bit about how you see the, 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 the near future and maybe the, the, the medium future evolving um, in, in your space. Well, certainly um, I think telemedicine is here to stay. Uh, we had a period of about two months last year when New York was the epicenter band where mm. we actually had more telehealth visits in this country than in-person visits. That's incredible. Wow. No one thought that would happen. And so telemedicine in, in many ways is here to stay. The licensing boards have to figure out how best to address it because they want to be seen as helpful, but they also want to make sure that uh, public protection, privacy, and other safeguards are in place. So I think that's an active area of Oh, uh, I'm interest. all for it. More, more on the telemedicine front. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of it. I mean, a lot of times I feel like you go to the doctor for stuff that clearly could be done over a, a Zoom call, you know? <laughs> or at least in follow-up, you know, yeah. maybe... Maybe initially you need to go to the emergency room. It depends on yeah. what you have. If you have chest pain, I wouldn't power up your laptop. <laughs> I would call 911. <laughs> yeah, that's probably a good advice. Good advice. I'm sorry, I, I cut you off there. No, no, I was just saying that uh, telemedicine is one area, but uh, we also need to look at public health and infrastructure. Uh, we're not directly involved in that, but we certainly support uh, being ready, uh, if you will, for the next pandemic. Because as I say, there are some lessons to be learned and we'd like to be a part of that conversation. So last big question for you, uh, Dr. Chowdhury, are we gonna have a summer this year? Are we gonna be out on the beaches this year or are we gonna still be locked up in July? That's a great question. It's a $64,000 question <laughs> where uh, things are certainly looking better than they did six months ago, yeah. but we are not out of the words, as you know, uh, though the numbers have come down since December, as I think most people know, uh, where we are is still at the peak of the first and second surges that we've had. And there are still variants out there. Uh, we wanna get more people vaccinated and that is happening, not just in the US, but around the world. So I think people are cautiously optimistic for later this year for things to improve, but people have to wear their masks, people have to socially distance to help us to get there. 
Uh, and there's right, a real so concern about uh, people getting a false sense of security and that things are looking up. Mm -hmm. They are, but you have to be careful. Well, maybe I'll wait to purchase my sunscreen then. <laughs> Thank well, you so much for, for joining us today on Uncaged, Dr. Chowdhury. Thank you, Dr. Breen. <laughs> Thank you. So uh, we've been talking to, to talking to Dr. Hank Chowdhury, who is the president and chief executive officer of the Federation of State Medical Boards of the United States. Uh, he's been providing us insights on how the, his organization, as well as how the world of, of medicine has been evolving over the last year and, and what we have to look forward going forward uh, and, and looking at trends like telemedicine. Uh, Dr. Chowdhury, thank you again for being on, on Uncaged. Uncaged is a show that highlights amazing individuals from around the globe who are shaping the world today and mapping the path to tomorrow. We've been speaking once again to Dr. Chowdhury and uh, great to have you on the show and we look forward to having you back soon. Thank you, Ben. Stay safe. Cheers.